0: Bye. Back to the I Am Symposium. This is a winter solstice gathering that's extending from December 21st all the way through to the 12th night, which is the 6th of January, when I'm going to do the final one on Hulda, who happens to take uh, souls back along on the Milky Way on that night. It's a very uh, pagan type of holiday. And so the, the people who are gathered for this event are people who have been connected to me during the birth of Winds of Spirit. And our guest today is Lauren Constein. And Dr. Constein is a friend of mine. And we met at a conference that I do for work, which is called the Finding Freedom LGBTQ Conference. And we became friends. And Dr. Lauren Constein is a licensed psychologist, author, educator, activist, and international speaker. Dr. Lauren has dedicated herself to the field of LGBT affirmative psychotherapy. Women's empowerment is a pioneer in lesbian affirmative therapy. Her first book, Lesbian Love Addiction, Understanding the Urge to Merge and What to Do When Things Go Wrong is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can get a free excerpt at lesbianloveaddiction.com which we'll have a link to on the I Am Symposium page. She is currently offering online masterclasses for lesbians looking to find their soulmate. The program's private Facebook page is called The Art of Finding Lesbian Love. She is also on West Hollywood's Gay and Lesbian Advisory Board serving the city of West Hollywood. Articles written by Dr. Lauren have been featured in numerous mental health magazines and she publishes a monthly written and video blog titled Dr. Lauren's Commentary. Dr. Lauren is currently working on her second book about internalized misogyny and when you sign up for the i am symposium you'll get links to her page links to her gifts and dr lauren i love it <laughs> welcome
1: hi thank you so much for having me renee i'm truly honored to be here and very grateful that you asked me so um, i guess i wanted to talk today about inner work navigating the shadow because i love how you're navigating the winds and wanting to kind of intersect those ideas. And, um, you know, I, I was giving a lot of thought to uh, our talk today. And I was thinking, you know, how can, can I really talk about this and how important it is and how it just keeps coming up in my work in so many ways. And I was thinking about the first time I really consciously became aware of my own shadow and it was a long time ago it was when i was before i was sober and one night i was really really drunk and i went into a blackout and this very dark very mean very vicious person came out and i had never experienced her before nor had my partner at the time (laughs) and um you know i'm generally you know genuinely and Normally a nice person, so it was a huge wake up call for me. It actually was uh, led to me wanting to get sober. It was a big reason because I was like, "Where is this coming from? You know, what is this? Okay, it exists inside of me. It's not, you know, just some random thing that you know I wasn't possessed at the moment." So it took me into this deep shadow work. I found Jung, Carl Jung at the time, and he had really been the one that sort of talked about it in a new way in the Western world that made it understandable and made it, um, and destigmatized it, right? So for me, part of it was, you know, recognizing that it was okay to say that we have a shadow, right? There's so much stigma still today, particularly in our Western culture, to have kind of a dark side or, um, you know, to have dark feelings or negative feelings or, you know, things like that. And so a lot of us try to, uh, disown them, ignore them, repress them, discount them and so on and so forth. doesn't mean, doesn't mean they go anywhere. It just means they come out sideways, right. In acting out or being triggered or what haven't have you. And what, I have found professionally and personally is that actually facing the shadow head on is a path to awakening, enlightenment, um, feeling more liberated inside and feeling better in general. And so it kind of goes against the grain of the positive psychology movement and some of the laws of attraction kind of Mindset movements, which I'm a big fan of all of that as well But what I have come to find and what I strongly believe in is that we don't if we don't do the inner work and then and the shadow work alongside that It will get in the way of sort of manifesting Those dreams that we want to have because the shadow when it is not given attention and it's not dealt with it's not healed it's not translated, it's not navigated, will be a saboteur, if that makes sense. So, you know, my big call to everybody and the calls in my books and in my work and in my next book is about facing the shadow head on, getting in touch with these parts of yourself that you don't really want to deal with so that they, first of all, uh, become less powerful. They become a lot less powerful once we look at them. And the shame can start going away. So how do we do that? Well, it's really important that we do this work with someone who's safe, whether it's a therapist or a coach that knows about this kind of work um, in a 12 step program, whatever it is, someone that you know is not going to add to the shame that we already have. Around these parts of ourselves is extremely important. And then as you look at them, whether it's You know judgment you have inside of yourself towards someone walking down the street Whether it's that inner voice inside of yourself. that's constantly putting yourself down whether it's when you're triggered you Get explosively angry whether it's the kind of fights you have with your partner or when you feel envy and jealousy and um, disappointment and all of these things, when we are able to look at those in a non judgmental, non shaming, open, loving way, they kind of disintegrate. They kind of become, you know, a part of who we are. And then we can really work and integrate them and realize that it doesn't make us a bad person that we have that. That's part of being in this dualistic, binary, physical world that we live in. And that's part of how we are here to learn is because we are dealing with this um, light and dark side inside of us, right? And that that is part of, it's just part of the human experience. And it's really what drives us as well to want to become better or more evolved or more awake. It's those parts inside of us that don't feel good that are the catalyst to push us to, to grow and find out what's wrong and deal with our depression or deal with our anxiety or deal with our relationship issues or deal with however it evolves for you. You know, so um, there is kind of a silver lining in that, you know, so, so my my talk is like, you know, the holidays are upon us, right? A lot of us deal with family during this time or um, friends or things that can really activate some difficult feelings. So this is a really perfect opportunity. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's always pleasant, but it is an opportunity to really look at what may be your core issues going on, the things that are painful for you or difficult, or the relationships that really kick up old childhood traumas, here's an opportunity to look at those with grace and non-judgment and love and try to give yourself that space to feel it, to process it, to talk about it with somebody, to journal, to do whatever you need to do to kind of give it its attention so that it doesn't have control over you. You can start having control over it, learning how to navigate it, manage it, and become more empowered ultimately, um, as as yourself. So I think that's kind of my little spiel.
0: That's um, your spiel.
1: Yeah. You know what I love about you? <laughs> I
0: love out of out of all of the, the therapists that I've met in in the last four years that I've been working in treatment, I've met a lot of therapists, and one of the things that I, I got to to really see about um, Dr. Lauren is that she walks her talk. And you know, traveling with somebody or spending some time with somebody, you get to see like, okay, I'm a spoiled brat, and this is me, and I don't like to get up in the morning, or I don't <laughs> like to, I like to get started. But you know, a lot of a lot of therapists like give you a lot of garbage back like you know somebody the other day we were having a discussion he told me i wasn't an active listener as he was twisting around the information to suit his therapeutic self Mm -hmm. and you don't do that i mean so when she talks about she really walks her 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 shadow and and dances with that and i really believe and and tell me if this is correct that this comes from also doing your spiritual work yeah that you have a shaman yes you know, you have those other parts. And so we can get so tied up in these therapeutic models that we forget the spirit dances free. You
1: know, I, I, I really actually appreciate you bringing that up because um, as a clinical psychologist for about 18 years, I think I walked that straight and narrow path publicly for a very long time for as my own brand and persona. It was like, okay, I can't talk about myself. You know, there's a lot of things we learn. in therapy school about how to be and the world has evolved so much since I was actually in school you know talking about yourself more freely you know judiciously but more freely is is it's found to be very helpful um also you know I kept very quiet in the closet actually my spiritual program but I have a very deep deep spiritual program that has been alongside my psychology work and my own inner work the entire time you know so it is i have a shaman and i've worked with many spiritual healers i've done a lot of energy work a lot of body somatic work um you know i i talk to angels you know i do i i love my spirit guides you know my mom passed away seven and a half years ago she's been a huge spirit guide for me ever since we have a great relationship today Um, so those things have all been very, very paramount to my work. I think the two together are so key. You have to do the trauma work. You have to do your childhood work. You have to do that. And then you do the spiritual work at the same time one without the other i think there's a we can get out of balance and i've known the spiritual bypass where people are not really dealing with their childhood trauma and then it comes out sideways or they're just doing psychology and then they're not kind of expanding and realizing there's so much more going on than just this physical and 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 psychic experience does that make sense
0: yeah that's absolutely true the other day my niece said aunt renee i don't know why you think i need to get in touch with my six-year-old and I said, I said, because you do, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, because you, you, you became an adult at six and there's a child in there who has so much to share with you. And, and I said there was one summer that I actually drove around in my little convertible with my, my six year old, by sitting sidecar and sister Celestine, my invisible friend in the back seat. And we went to the Renaissance fair and we went And we went to uh, animation movies and we did all of those things that were so crucial for my own six-year-old. And, and, and those, that work is so important as is the spiritual work.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more.
0: And so it's kind of hard. And I hope they're teaching, are they teaching now in, in therapy school that some of these alternative practices can really, these holistic practices can really help your clients or is there still that dividing line
1: there's still a big divide there's still a big divide you know and i still feel like a lot of therapists don't come out around how spiritual they may be because of this kind of training we get of being you know i mean this the therapeutic world started out with this analysis where the the therapy wouldn't therapists wouldn't have just a flat face wouldn't show anything so that the client would just project a bunch of stuff onto them and what we found is that that's actually really re-traumatizing because a <laughs> flat face in general it just makes people feel crazy and they, and, and, you know, really like they've done something wrong. It can really kick up our shame. And so that's beautifully shown in a video with a mom and a little girl and she gets a flat face. Do you know that no. video? Oh. would you
0: share I, that on your gift page so people can go see that? I think that'd be really
1: valuable. Yeah. I definitely will do that because it, right. it's. you see this mom and the little girl and what happens when the mom gets a flat face so that we really understand that actually when we are doing active listening, what we respond to is someone really being there with us, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of going back to like, if you're going to do this kind of inner work and you're picking a safe person, be, do it with somebody that's going to really follow you you know, and love you along the way, no matter what you're you're talking about, you know, with non-judgment, because we have enough shame as it is. We don't need anybody re reintroducing any shame or triggering it so that we can shame ourselves with the shadow. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the other day when someone told me I wouldn't be a very good therapist and I didn't know how to active listen, <laughs> I kind of... I, I and they're like, okay, well, all right, I'm going to listen to you now and see what you have to oh, say.
1: wow.
0: And, so, and I found out, you know, he might have been traumatized three years ago by something that I didn't even know I did. Like, you know, and, and it was like, well, that was an interesting experience because as uh, one of my clients just bought me this shirt, I guess some uh, Gwyneth Paltrow or something has this line of clothes now. And yeah. one of her, her holiday things or one of his shirts says, shaman says. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to go on my book tour with a shaman says shirt. Um, I, love it. I love it. I know because I'm more about that. All right, I see this, I see that. You know, this act of listening. But the the I want to talk about something else that I think is so relevant, and I don't think we have prepared you for it. But I know you're you are you are here, so it's okay.
1: All right.
0: Um, so you're writing a book about internalized misogyny, and when you first told me that, I like I remember I had chills up my spine like really It was like and then just as much as like the winds have been blowing so strong this year like you know my sister said what do you make of all these winds and i said oh my book's going to be a bestseller and now here we are like what eight nine months later and all of this stuff is coming out from the bowels of humanity about this misogyny and how prevalent you know, me too and, and stuff. So you're right here on time. So tell us what you've learned this year uh, as in this process.
1: Well, oh, that's a great question. I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about this. So for me, you know, this, this work actually started when I wrote my dissertation over 10 years ago, probably about 12 years ago is when it started. And I have been, I have a lot of history around sexual assault and violence and things like that from men. So when I was younger, so when i started to write my dissertation it was really investigating why is this happening to women and what has happened to the sacred feminine and why did it get so repressed so i went back thousands of years studied the goddess cultures brought that all of that history or herstory into my dissertation and then how the patriarch came in And kind of stole it and repress it and demonize anything feminine from it. And what came from that was misogyny this this uh, Very uh, ubiquitous misogyny worldwide global my 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 research has done basically the Western cultures, but it is worldwide obviously so you know it's been kind of brewing and then you know it's just been a part of my work this entire time that I've been do been working this but then when the election happened and i saw the misogyny sort of starting to bubble up around the election when a woman ran for president for the first time ever i was like oh my god here we are because in my research, the you know, the age of Aquarius said, you know, the sacred feminine is going to be coming back, okay, and that happened around 1212, 12, I mean, 2012, right? It's going to be coming back, it's going to be tumultuous, it's going to be a very rough ride, but the feminine is coming back after you know, 2000 years of deep repression, and um. I thought, you know, a lot of us thought it was really going to be happening in this beautiful unfolding way. <laughs> and instead, you know, we had this huge backlash happen. And like you said, what was exposed was this dark underbelly that was there, you know? And so I said, okay, it's time, you know, because I'd always wanted to turn my dissertation into a book and I was like, okay, now it's really time for this topic. Everybody needs to know about the goddess cultures. And what they were like and how there was a time period where the sacred feminine was revered and worshipped and loved and honored and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, that's not taught. Nobody knows this. It's very empowering to know that. It's important to know how the patriarchy took over. It's important to know why this happened, how it happened, and how pervasive it is and how endemic it is and how we can, um, you know, start healing it by exposing it, like I was saying, you know, exposing the shadow feels it. So here we have this incredible example of the collective shadow, right? And the collective shadow of this deep rooted misogyny, this hatred of the feminine that goes into hatred of women. And that I guess in this PC world we lived in for a while, it just was sort of patted down, you know, and repressed. And so at first when this when this all started bubbling up, I was I went into a deep depression. I went into shock. I was I was I couldn't get out of bed of it, you know, like for a couple of days. And then slowly I started to heal and then I saw the opportunity. I was like, okay here it is this had to happen for the age of Aquarius to really go in and for us to get a balanced and more evolved world and so it's going to be really ugly and shadowy and icky and messy and disgusting for a while because that stuff is there it's just showing itself and so this me too campaign is so important i mean i mean i didn't i didn't tell anybody when i was assaulted I didn't tell anybody when I was fired by my boss for um, not sleeping with them. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't have my voice back then there. It was very dangerous time to be honest about those kind of things. It's not until now that we're actually seeing it, you know, being done in this way where there's actually repercussions. Like there's actually things being done to these perpetrators, to these, to these, um, um, you know, these very dangerous people, there's actually finally consequences. And there's an uprising occurring. And the the women's march and everything. It's like, it's just the most beautiful thing to see this unfolding happening, even though it's very scary. It's, you know, change is scary. And we're in the middle of huge, collective, psychic, spiritual change. And even the natural disasters everywhere you know connected to the climate change problems and what we've done to our planet and everything seems uncertain and so you know i'm not saying that i've got this figured out because some days i'm like okay i'm ready to go let's go let's go and some days i'm like oh my god this is so scary i don't even know what to do the fires here in california for instance are like whoa so you know, we're up against a lot. We're all being very tested. And when we're in it, it's harder to see the meaning. But ultimately, no matter what, whenever we're in crisis or in, um, you know, kind of these more chaotic states, there's always going to be something very meaningful that will happen eventually. You'll find meaning for yourself. You'll grow. We all grow. I think all of the exposure of this really sick underbelly of the misogynistic world we've all been dealing with and living up with as women for so long like there is movement around it and so what i want to do is also talk about the internalization of these messages that we have been we have been taking in as women since little girls since little girls and you know Renee, we're from a different generation, right? You know, I, we're not millennials. You know, I, I grew up with like, I grew up with double mess. You know, really mixed messages. Like it was a couple. It was twenty years after the feminist movement, so you know everyone was like, go have a career. But yeah, but but no one said when you get out there, it's going to be really dangerous, and you know, it's, you're not going to get supported, you're not going to get paid, you're not going to get the, the same opportunities. You're going to be sexualized, they're going to want to pay you for, you know, looking pretty, blah blah blah, blah blah. you know, None of, Nobody said that kind of thing. You know, It was basically like, yeah, you have this great opportunity. go out there and do it. And which is wonderful, but it was a very, very different time. We did not have the voice that we're now creating and developing now. So for many of us, and still even the millennials, there is these messages that we've internalized that the collective um, culture has been telling us for thousands of years, our moms, our grandmothers, our great grandmothers, so on and so forth, that we are not worthy, that we are not enough. That we're not good as we're not as good as men. We're not as strong, as intelligent, as capable. Whatever it is, or we've been told we have to do it all. So we're, you know, you know, we have to make the house perfect. We have to make everything perfect, and we have to have the like the stellar career. And you know, for those who have children, then you have to have these amazing children, and you know, like uh, the pressure is just insane, and it's starting to crack because we can't, we can't do, we can't do this. It's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's not reasonable. It's not rational. So, so the idea of the book is yes, I'm so glad the external misogyny is being exposed in this huge chaotic, but you know, earth shattering way and spiritual uprising way. But we also have to look at the messages that we have internalized and how do we speak to ourselves or how do we speak to others or, how, to, how does this manifest inside of, in our, ter, in our internal world and external world by being devalued for thousands of years?
0: Now, can you tell she's passionate about this subject? <laughs> <laughs> just a little.
1: Just you know, a little. We're, all,
0: we're out of time, but I want to show you this. When, when the day that the election took place, I pulled this card and it was Mari, and, and this wind might be connected to the Divine Mother. Um, the, the Pyrenees, it's a bass. They don't, they know very little about it. And I thought, or, or, or I got Vegemonte or the mother or whatever. All I know is the next day I got the same, an, the same divine mother wind that it was a gift, uh, yeah, you know, cause yeah. I, we were all heartbroken and, and yet it was the gift. And we just didn't, the gift wasn't wrapped in the, the paper or the box inside the paper wasn't what we were expecting. Yeah. So I, I saw a plage work and, and also the, the fact that, you know, and I don't share very often that I'm a lesbian because, you know, it was just something that I put, once I became a really famous chef, <laughs> I thought what matters is what's on the plate. No mm-hmm. one's ever going to have to talk about me and who I'm sleeping with or who, you know, I'm not sleeping with ever again. And then I stuck that away for, for 25, 30 years. Um, and so... This, I do this conference So Finding Freedom is it's forced me to come out but it's also forced me to meet people like you who I absolutely love and adore. So um, for all those people who are listening at home definitely you want to get her gifts and you want to follow uh, Dr. Lauren and if you are a lesbian and you're looking for love and looking for whatever that shadow is join her Facebook group and one final word or two you want to leave people with today.
1: I just want to thank you so much for this incredible opportunity and interview and uh, ability to talk to you about this. I love and adore you too and your work. And I'm so excited to be a part of the symposium. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Renee.
0: And for those of you listening, make sure you sign up at the IM Symposium to get the schedule and to get the replays and to get the gifts. Iamsymposium.com. Thank you. And we're going to continue for many more days. Thank you.